0: Hello and welcome! This is Camille Brooks. I love to help people discover how they can find more joy and peace in their personal lives, marriage and family, and help them discover that their sorrows can bring out the glory within them. Today's podcast is from the series Joy in Marriage and Family. Helping families find more joy and peace through the craziness of life. Welcome to our podcast, teaching children to be resilient. Today, I am pleased to have as our guest my former stake president, and Area seventy, Dell Monk. Dell and his wife Joanne are the parents of five children and twenty three grandchildren. He grew up on a wheat farm in southern Idaho, and he and Joanne met at the University of Utah. She grew up in Washington, D.C. area. He worked in the high technology industry for all of his career and has recently retired from his work in that area. He has served in many capacities in The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I heard President Monk speak once on teaching our children to be self-reliant and felt that what he had to say was very helpful and needed in this day and age. I'm excited to share his wisdom with you today. Resiliency is something we all need. What do we need to understand about resiliency?
1: Let's start in an unusual way here. I think that one of the fundamental requirements for understanding resiliency is to help children understand that everything that happens in life is normal. The Apostle Paul said, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. And that applies with the various circumstances of life. Everything is to be expected. We're all subject to this principle. Men, women, children, rich, poor, black, brown, white, married, single, left-handed, tall, short, smart, less smart. Disappointments, failures, tragedy, persecutions, and unfairness are a part of everyone's life. Uh, this surprising discovery came to my wife and me as uh, we lost a granddaughter uh, at a very young age. We were very disappointed about this, and it seemed uh, that we were on a little bit of a pity party. I was state president at the time and began to talk about this with others, and I, I learned something that surprised me, and that is the number of individuals in our state who had experienced the loss of a daughter or a son or a granddaughter or son, or a spouse, and uh, I, uh, I was not aware of this. It helped me develop empathy, but also helped me understand that these things are normal, and millions and millions of people experience this very thing. A healthy understanding of this is foundational to building resilience. It makes us stronger, better, kinder, more empathetic, and yes, resilient it's not uh, this principle is not an unfortunate circumstance of the human condition it's god's plan to help us be more christ-like and i'm not sure that there is another way
0: i'm so sorry to hear about your granddaughter it is so important that we help our children understand that adversity is a part of god's plan and that no one is exempt from it what are some examples of areas in which children or any of us need to be resilient
1: Of course, there are many important undertakings in life that require resilience. Getting a college education, for example, requires patience and vision, the ability to stick to something. Successful marriage, I think, is the greatest achievement that we can know, and it's also one of the most difficult. Earning a living and supporting a family, debilitating health experiences, premature death, injury, disability, rejection from a social group or from friends, business failures, family breakups. This is a very long list, but all are within the range of expectation. Each of those
0: things have a significant impact on personal, marital, and family happiness. How can parents help children to correctly understand the doctrine of adversity?
1: The expectation of possible difficulties helps us view them as normal. Expect adversity and treat it as a positive, recognizing its purpose. Develop healthy attitudes towards failure, stepping stone, or stumbling block. That is uh, uh, speaks volumes. That is our ability to understand the difference between those two uh, as to how uh, life turns out for us. Not expecting to receive a trophy every time you take the field and getting used to disappointment. One prominent theologian mused, The fact is that most putts don't drop. Most beef is tough. Most children grow up to be just people. Most successful marriages require a high degree of mutual toleration. Most jobs are often more dull than otherwise. Life is like an old-time rail journey. Delays, sidetracks, smoke, dust, cinders, and jolts, interspersed only occasionally by beautiful vistas and thrilling bursts of speed. The trick is to thank the Lord for letting you have the ride.
0: What would you tell someone who is in the midst of unexpected setbacks or disappointments?
1: Referring to how we would teach children, let me say the following. When bad things happen, uh, it's not the end of the world. The Lord's not punishing you. It's not unfair necessarily. And the sun always comes up. We might talk to our children about the law of the harvest. That is, you reap what you sow. You get out of something about what you put in. I remember with some embarrassment uh, when I was a teenage boy, having the assignment to plant a 65 acre piece of ground on our farm. The old uh, John Deere drill uh, wasn't working quite properly, and at any rate, I planted the piece, and uh, a few days later, when the seeds began to come up in the morning sun, I could see the greenery all through, except a rich black line all the way around the piece where the drill had stopped working, and I'd not been cognizant of that. If you put seeds in the ground, generally they will come up. If you don't, they won't. Seeds of kindness, honesty, love, and giving produced a desired harvest. I might talk about the law of restitution. If you lie, go tell the truth. If you steal, give it back. If you hurt somebody's feelings, apologize and show forth love. If you break it, fix it or replace it. My son, uh, as a teenage boy, backed over his friend's $80 remote model car. And I had a hard time explaining to him why he should replace the car. Uh, but he finally got it and, uh, and made the, the replacement. But those are not always obvious to children how this uh, the law of restitution should work. Consequences are both natural and self-inflicted. Allowing children to suffer consequences from what they do. Allowing children to suffer consequences from what others do to them. The world will inflict consequences upon them. Without question, no matter what we teach, our helping them to be prepared for that is so important. To expect consequences makes one more resilient.
0: Many fall into the trap of viewing themselves as victims. They blame circumstances or other people for their unhappiness or lack of progress. How does that mentally keep us from developing
1: resilience? I think it's important for children to know that they are not victims unless, of course, we make them so. Personal accountability and responsibility are foundational in all that we do. Here's a sensitive issue that uh, some may disagree with, but I'll share my view on it. Uh, The issue is abuse, uh, sexual, emotional, and otherwise. While no one would condone abuse of any kind, the real tragedy occurs when a former abused child then defines all life's experiences by that abuse. And the abuse becomes the excuse for all failures, including the inability to lead a happy and productive life. It can kill resiliency. Blaming our troubles on someone else is ruinous.
0: What other things should parents consider in their efforts to teach greater resilience?
1: Of course, parents are in the business of loving and teaching and protecting children. But what do we teach when we try to protect our children from every disappointment, failure, and unjust treatment? When we lived in the Boston area, I returned home early one day from work and found that my daughter, Cindy, who was about 10, was sitting on the curb, sobbing, her eyes out. I parked the car and sat by her and thinking that some major catastrophe had happened. Finally, I said, Cindy, what's, uh, what's wrong? What's happened? And through her sobs, she said, Daddy, they called me monkey. Now, we had just gone to this uh, new school, we just moved into a new house, and she was meeting new friends. It was all I could do to keep from smiling, but very seriously, I said, well, honey, after all, your name is Monk. We talked about how important it is to ignore those things and accept them perhaps as positive efforts for the children to reach out to her. I don't think we ever heard another thing about it. Our teacher friends tell us a very sad story. The very sad story is that they love teaching students, but have a very difficult time managing the parents who want to resolve every problem and make sure that the children are always well taken care of. I never in a hundred years would have wanted to go into the school and look for someone who's calling my daughter monkey and try to resolve that problem. My mother's reaction to any complaint I might have brought home was always work it out. As a matter of fact, if the teacher was angry with me or i had had a complaint, uh, my mother would always say, what did you do wrong? It was a good lesson to help me always try to take full responsibility. Protecting children in wrongdoing enables weakness. Sometimes parents wrongly assume that uh, supporting a, a wrong or dishonest behavior is a way of strengthening the child. Nothing could be further from the truth. Fighting children's battles disables their fight, ability to fight their own battles. Teaching them how to fight their battles is more important than fighting their battles for them. And then get out of the way. Fairness is a luxury, not a right. Not normally do all things turn out fairly in our lives. Teaching children how to behave in the face of perceived unfairness is important. Your example of how to behave in the face of perceived unfairness disappointment, failure, or working in difficult circumstances is probably the most effective teacher. The question is, are we, as parents, also resilient?
0: That's a good question. And I agree and I can relate as a mother. I didn't believe in rescuing my children from their difficulties, but my children did expect me to. And they would guilt me because they Their friends' parents did rescue them, and they'd always say, Well, so-and-so's mother rescued them. Why can't you? And it was hard sometimes because my kids were mad at me. I always felt it was a great opportunity to teach my children that life is hard, and it will always be hard, and that we don't run away from our problems. We have to face them, and that we can take the lemons that life sends us and turn it into lemonade. I also felt like it was a very wonderful opportunity to teach my children to exercise faith and that they were never alone through whatever hard experience they were going through. They could ask their Heavenly Father to help them. I find that if we rescue our children, we don't get to see that their prayers are answered. And they don't get to see that their prayers are answered. And we miss out on the miracles and the growth that come. Something that I have felt is important in teaching children resilience is providing meaningful work for them. I believe a young person who has a job is responsible to provide personal income and is responsible for some important work will develop more resilience than those who do not. Does this ring true to you?
1: Yes, indeed it does. It is such an advantage for a young person to have been able to have meaningful work. It's a great advantage to be able to get out of bed in the morning and go to work. And this, of course, is best taught by parents in the home. Uh, Doing meaningful work gives children confidence that they can do something, that they are contributing, that they're learning something, and that they're useful and valuable. In our family, one of the most helpful experiences we had was Saturday jobs. All the children had jobs throughout the week. But on Saturday, from 8 o'clock till noon, was a work day. And all the children, uh, as we used to say, would pick their weapon. It was either one cloth or another cloth for cleaning. It was a hoe, a rake, or a lawnmower, or whatever needed to be done. But that was sacrosanct time. And all uh, hands were on deck from Saturday, 8 o'clock till noon. The children had jobs later on that I thought helped them develop maturity, and learn to take responsibility and be more resilient. Having responsibilities for our sons and daughters helps our sons and daughters be accountable, also, and learn accountability. Uh, One leader said, quote, Let's realize that the privilege to work is a gift. The power to work is a blessing. The product of work is success, unquote, where we allow children to make mistakes and have experiences we express appreciation for what is done even though it's not always done exactly the way we should, we would like to have it done especially for young children and most important stay with it until the job is finished quite often a parent will assign a job it gets done halfway and somehow that's okay my wife joanne grew up with a mother who was a wonderful housekeeper fastidious she loved nice things and she loved to keep them nice But she also disliked having uh, jobs half done, and so often when she would assign a job to Joanne, Joanne would do a halfway job, mom would finish it up. She recounts one experience of working on a dress when she was a teenager, and she got halfway through the project, had to go to school, and when she returned, the project was all complete. Sounds good on paper, but maybe not the best approach for teaching resilience. Do what you say. Don't threaten things unless you're willing to follow through. Discipline to teach and not to punish. Allow children to solve problems, make decisions. And this is always an investment, again, because they don't always do it the way you want. I, I think of learning to drive. The uh, Every good parent knows that there are likely some, to be some dings in the car as a result of young people learning to drive. That is just a simple a of life and investment most of us have to make. There is a, an interesting test called the marshmallow test. It's amusing in many ways, but sobering in others. Four-year-olds were put in a room and given a marshmallow. They're told that if they will uh, not eat the marshmallow for five or six minutes, they will give it, be given two marshmallows. And then of course, uh, the, uh, the kids are videotaped. It's interesting to watch them struggle with uh, with not eating that marshmallow, and unfortunately, many of the kids just can't resist, and they eat the marshmallow. And others, the minority, by the way, uh, get the two marshmallows. This is uh, this is indicative of the power of delayed gratification. That is I always thought that if we could delay the gratification. Of children for various small things, they would learn to delay gratification for large things. I took great delight as a father, maybe I shouldn't say this, but purposely uh, delaying gratification for the children so that they could learn this important lesson. Some have asked, when do you start teaching resilience? And I would say from the very beginning. Many years ago, uh, When an 18 month old grandson of ours came to visit, his mother insisted that we take him to the measuring door. This was a door inside our house where over the many years we had measured at different ages all of the children. And uh, this was sort of a ritual. Now this boy was only 18 months old. We were very careful. He was very sober about it. He realized there was something important about this and we measured his height. Six months later, they came back to visit. They happened to live in Nevada, and they drove up. And uh, this young man, Alex, walked into the house, walked right past Grandma and Grandpa, which was unusual. Went to the measuring door, picked up the ruler, and thrust it into my uh, uh, up at me, reminding me how important it is to remember that little minds absorb millions and millions of little inputs all the time they're making connections all the time we must not wait till later thinking well they're they're not able to really learn they are able to learn uh, many many nuances of this principle we've been talking about the time to start is when they're very young 18 months two years or thereabouts
0: i love that marshmallow story i think that is so cute And yes, it's so important that we teach our children delayed gratification. And you're right, we cannot start soon enough. In closing, recap for our listeners the key things that will help them teach their children
1: resiliency. Thanks again, Camille, for this discussion. I think it's uh, very helpful. In conclusion, let's remember some of the basics here. Everything is normal. Nothing will happen to our children that is out of the ordinary. And helping them understand that is very important. There are many difficult undertakings in life. And resilient children are more successful in achieving their objectives and goals than, than uh, others. Uh, children's view is largely dependent upon expectations. Healthy attitudes towards difficulties are critical. Children are not victims. Uh, the full weight of consequences must be be felt by our children, both consequences that are caused by them and also consequences that are caused by others. Let's not protect our children in wrongdoing. Let's help them learn how to get out of bed and go to work and delay gratification as a means of practicing what will surely they surely will encounter in their lives.
0: This has been so helpful. I love your point to not protect our children from wrongdoing. I had a child who sloughed some classes with a friend, and I would not excuse those sloughs, and they were so angry with me because the friend that they had slept with, their parent had excused all the sloughs. When I told the principal that I would not excuse the sloughs, the principal shook his head and said, oh my, I wish we had more mothers like you in the world. And I got the impression that he deals with this a lot, how parents do rescue their children on a regular basis. Now I know that I have succumbed sometimes to rescuing my children. We all do. And we all have weak points where we give in. I have actually been kind of a tough love mommy, but when my children got married, I found a real weak spot of saying no to married children. So we all have weaknesses and we have times where we give in. But I think the important thing that we've learned today is that as we learn about a principle, we can recommit ourselves to it. That's the good news. And I hope that we will all want to recommit to teaching our children resilience and delayed gratification and how to work hard and all the things that we've talked about today. Because we all want healthy, competent, responsible children, and they just will not be. If we'd rescue them from everything, they need to learn how to do hard things because life is hard. Thank you for being with us, President Monk. We have been taught so well today.
1: It's been a delight, Camille. Thank you very much for hosting this important topic. And I might say you're probably not the only mother that has had children who've left school. Isn't that a good feeling? And you handled it very well. Thanks for allowing me to be here.
0: You're welcome, and thank you for listening. If you felt this podcast was helpful, please share this with the person who came into your mind while listening and see if you can be a blessing to them. Have a great week. I hope you will join us next time. For more inspiration, join me at FindingJoyAndPeace.com. Until then, thank you for listening. May God bless you as you strive to create more joy and peace in your homes and in the world around you.